Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit, the fitness news where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always, I'm joined by Tom. Good evening. But not as always, we are joined by a, might be a familiar voice, depending on how long you've listened to the podcast, Big Danny B. Welcome Danny. Welcome back to the podcast. I like that. Big. I'll take that. Big. Big. <laughs> uh, you've got your own theme tune, mate. Stand by. Oh. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, jazz it up. Very thick and bassy. Well, that'll do. Yeah, so I thought I'd give you a little theme tune though, mate. Hope you liked it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not everyone gets a theme tune. So that's, uh, you know, yeah, that's, we're that's special, stakes, special guest. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly. I can vibe with it. Absolutely. Um, this week, guys, we are going to be talking about quite a big topic. We alluded to it last week, actually. We did say, because we, we normally do three topics, Danny, if you're not aware. We normally do three bits of news every week. But last week we did two because this one, we thought we'd save it because it doesn't really warrant a 15-minute discussion. It's a little bit more. And essentially, what we're going to be discussing today, everyone, is exercise is more effective than medicines to manage mental health. Now, that is a title of a study. That's not that's not our conclusion to it. That is a title of the study we're going to discuss. Okay. Also, that's what, uh, you know, Big Jim want you to think, at least. <laughs> big Jim, you know? yeah. So it's no longer about Big Pharma. It's not Big Pharma, as you know, trying to, you know, push and sell drugs anymore. It's all mm-hmm. about Big Jim trying to sell memberships. <laughs> yeah. I mean... To be honest with you, like uh, when I went through the show notes f- five minutes ago, by the way, Bill. Don't, you need to stop joking about this. <laughs> um, you know, I I discovered the, the, the cure to all this anyway. And basically, my summary is oh, just to cheer up and be less anxious. Oh, really? Okay, well, yeah. And um, if, if you can't do that, then there's obviously a, a motivation deficit, isn't there? <laughs> Which, funny enough, I, I also have the cure for. Um, so to help you get into, you know, that rise and grind mindset where you can just cheer up and be less anxious. It's basically just a compilation of motivational quotations I've made on Canva. So it features like quotes from the, the likes of David Goggins, Tom Hardy, The Rock, Tommy Shelby, uh, Jeremy Kyle, uh, Tom Hardy again. And uh, I'm aware that I've just listed Tom Hardy twice. But that does special. show that, you know, it proves me correct that with that motivational grind set, you can conquer anything. Wow. Um, well, thanks for joining us this week, Danny. We'll, uh, we'll see everyone next week. That's the end of the, <laughs> end of the podcast solution. Problem solved. Jesus Christ. You know what's funny as well? That Tom, off air, me and Danny were chatting and we literally said um, about obviously how long this podcast could be. We're thinking, just don't let Tom go off one. Don't let Tom go off one. What's happened? Within within seconds, <laughs> within seconds, we've got a Tom tangent. Brilliant. So oh. our robots and all that. <clears throat> yeah. I was just basically repeating the mantra of uh, most... Um, personal trainers when it comes to uh, you know mental well-being on social media just to just to cheer up i mean you know i'm sure we'll come on to this but it i think a lot of it is so oversimplified just like you say grind set nobody cares work harder uh, yeah well that might work that might work for some people and if they're in the right state of mind but actually for there's there's plenty of people i'll just go yeah nice one cheers for yeah, you know, yeah. It, it is what it is. Can I say, uh, way back when we did our first episode on mental um, mental well-being, like, uh, was we actually talking about how, like, the old age classic, which is, oh, just, um, yeah, basically just cheer up a little bit. Have you tried not being depressed? You know, oh, everything will be okay, that toxic positivity. I've, I've actually just, like, again, we talked about it last time, and I'm mm. a massive advocate for it, but... I've just finished reading a really good book that is like specifically about it. It's literally called Toxic Positivity. 
Uh, I think the author's name is Whitney Goodman, but I can, you know, make sure I get that back for anyone who wants it. And it's, it's, she's a therapist and basically it just goes through this topic in great detail. And it's like how, it's really interesting actually how it's embedded, not just within actual, you know, normie culture, like you're making me uncomfortable, stop talking. Yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be okay. And that's the end of it. I want the conversation to end, but also in like discriminatory stuff as well, you know, relations related to race, gender, sexuality, um, you know, ableism, all that. So it, it's really good, actually. Um, so, yeah, I'd definitely say give it a go. Um, I've got to just quickly interject there and say that I, I quickly typed into Google and I've got to laugh at one of the reviews someone left on it. The first half of the book is great and on topic, but the second half turns into a self-help book. I've, I've, I'm assuming that's the point of the book. <laughs> It's a weird one. It, it like examines the topic more than you know, in my opinion, anyway. From what, but I think I was quite already there. So there was times where I was kind of like, yeah, I get this. But the way it packages it is like how someone might do it and how you, you know, one of the one of the um, things is like about complaining, how to complain effectively. Because hmm. actually, we see complaining. A lot of people do is you know, it is negative. But actually, sometimes it's just your needs aren't being met. So there's yeah. a difference between being negative and an unfulfilled need, so to speak. Um, so th there is an element of self-help, of course there is, but actually a lot of it is how you can be better too. You know, like better questions you can ask and whatever else. So yeah, I'll, cool. um, I'll link I'll link that down in the show notes, guys. Um, and I think it's probably a good point. I don't know if I've actually queued the intro yet. If I've not queued the intro yet, I'm going to queue intro now. Let's get into the episode. So today, gents, we are going to be unpacking that new research paper that I mentioned, Effectiveness of Physical Activity Interventions for Improving Depression, Anxiety and Distress, an Overview of Systematic Reviews. So this was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, and according to them, it is the most comprehensive to date, encompassing 97 reviews, 1,039 trials, and a whopping 128,119 participants. Um, and basically what they say it shows is that physical activity is extremely beneficial for improving symptoms of depression, anxiety, and distress. Okay, and essentially what they're kind of concluding with is that exercise should be a mainstay approach in the management of mental well-being. Um, and they basically suggest that it is 1.5 times more effective than counselling and leading medication. So what I'll do, guys, I'll quickly rattle off some key points and we can kind of get into it just so people have got a bit of context about this paper because it's quite a big one. And a little yeah. joke I've heard it with Danny because me and Tom do this every week reading research papers, but obviously these papers are written in such a way that it's a bit of a fucking minefield to get through, isn't it? To so, be fair, this was a jumbo paper. I mean, when we talk paper. about the hierarchy of evidence, we tend to have oh, like a single, a single study, but then we might have something which is a whole bunch of studies which is incorporated in like a meta-analysis or system review, which is where they they take all several studies and pile it into one big conclusion, look at them all together. This is actually an umbrella review. So this yeah. is actually a compilation of several other compilations that look at studies. So this is thousands and thousands of people they've looked at, all with different, um, <laughs> I would say health issues then, but I don't think pregnancy is a health issue. 
uh, <laughs> you know, how you look at it. But he looked at all different yeah. um, things where like people, depression, anxiety in relation to pregnancy, cancer, stroke. And yeah, this was like thousands of people in this big review. So it's pretty mega. So those key points then, uh, I'll just rattle them off basically a list. So exercise interventions, 12 weeks or shorter, tends to be the most effective. The largest benefit was seen among those of depression, pregnant and postpartum women, healthy individuals and people diagnosed with HIV or kidney disease. Higher intensity activity had greater improvements on depression and anxiety and the research showed that it doesn't take much exercise to see improvement. Now, obviously that sounds quite good, doesn't it? But before everyone gets excited, all the PTs listen and get, you know, boot up Canva, start making their 12-week mental health program. Um, Take me to it. (laughs) The question is, is this the good news that it sounds um, I mean, Danny, what's your experience of exercise and mental well-being? I suppose we come straight to you. I mean, you know, drawing drawing back to what we discussed the last time I was on. Mm. Yeah, hundred. Like I, I, for me personally, I would say it's one of the, if not the. Well, I've had it's part of the a pillar system, if you will, for me, as in for my mental well-being tools, which is you know, it's one of the biggest aspects. It's you know, it's probably, if we look at what I might have as a maintenance thing, it's it's probably the one where I will be visiting or engaging with most out of, out of all of the separate things. You know, there's obviously, I mean, for me, I would say my things that I'm, I would say, is passion the right word? Or yeah, passion probably is the right word, but advocacy of if you will like fizz 100 percent um obviously being able to look after your own emotional well-being so that can be from being able to articulate what it is that you're thinking feeling you know whether that be through a therapeutic kind of intervention through counseling or just if you're if you're lucky enough to be um you know in a community that have that sort of literacy already and you have that literacy then you know they're they're like the, the the that's two of the things, and the other circles back is community. Also, I think you know veterans in particular, and I don't want to go down the the veteran rabbit hole too much, but I think you know the community aspect is up there with one of the bigger things that we need to start looking at, as opposed to just I'm going to say community. I'm talking about like minded individuals again. It's it's all it is a bit of a triangle, you know. It's mm. it's physical activity, um, emotional well being, whichever sense, and obviously community. I do they're they're part of my tools, but exercise is the one most utilised, if you will. That's quickly just rewind because I'm fully aware that some people might not have heard the first episode you came on. You mentioned veterans there. Just a quick recap, Danny. You are obviously a veteran. Uh, yes, I am. Royal, Eng- Royal Engineer Commando Veteran. And now you're working in the mental well-being space, aren't you? So you've got In the Dead Ground, which is, I like to call it merch with a message. So yeah. incredible bits of merch, always have a really positive message behind it. And then the other not thing always. you do is, not always, yeah. okay. Not always, you know, not always, you're right. Yeah. Messages yeah, that will be, re- you know, applicable and relevant. Yeah, sure, um, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't want to take that away. I don't want people to think, yeah, it's doom and gloom, but... It, it's relevant, isn't it? Oh, hello. I've just, Tom, just give us a little stand up again. I noticed that there. Oh, cool. oh yeah. I, oh, hello. Oh, oh, yeah, representing. Yeah, yeah look, look, thanks, Tom. Little I mean, plug. this isn't okay. actually a hoodie. This is actually a full 
blown to I've actually, food that I've had I've done. got my yeah. I've got my tumbler, my little end of oh, tumbler. Nice, nice. I've, yeah. I've got mine actually. I've still got my little Smilo as well on my desk. Nice. Nice, right. nice. Could do with more Tommy Shelby on it, but yeah, it's not <laughs> it. Yeah. More Tommy Shelby, bloody hell. Yeah. Um, and then you also work in a corporate center, don't you, Danny? Yeah. So, um, you know, another part of, like, as I say, in the dead ground is, you know, a startup business. Um, but yeah, I, I do corporate mental well-being related things. So mental health first aid training, and I'll also help rel- the relevant sponsors kind of look at the topic of mental well-being in their business and how they can try and support people's mental well-being too. And there is, I'll give you a little excuse, exclusive, if you will, um, there is another project that will be hopefully becoming more visible um, that I've been working on in the not-for-profit sector um, related to veterans specifically as well. So that's something that, as I say, hopefully we'll have a bit more visibility soon, but there's been a lot of work going on in the background with some um, partners. Ask me, that sounds very exciting. Um, guys, if you are interested in hearing more about Danny and a bit, we do, I think it was like two and a half hours we spoke to you last time, wasn't it? It was a heavy, long one. heavy, very, very good episode. It got really good feedback. So I'll leave that link below if you've not listened to it yet. So I'd highly recommend after this, go listen to that because that is, that is talking about the topic as a whole without diving on one specific paper. So 100% go and listen to that. Um, if we go back to what we talk about with exercise, I mean, you said it's like your, I think, because we're all, like you've, I remember you saying on that podcast, you've been within the fitness industry for, you know, within such a distance for you know, pretty much your whole life, you could say. Well, yeah, 20 years, like my, my whole adult life, well, longer now, like I'm nearly 36, so 21. Exactly. And yeah. like me, me and Tom are pretty much, you know, in a similar position. So I think for us, it, it does make sense in that way that it, it is there. I mean, Tom, what about for you, mate? Is it, would you say it's kind of, it's hard for, I think it's hard for us to say that it's not because we, it is part of our life in such a big way. I mean, similar in the sense that I've just turned 35, <laughs> yeah. not quite 36 yet. You know, I know what you're trying to get at, Bill. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in regards to me, like, obviously it's my job in, in regards to like uh, exercise, fitness, etc., and behavior change as well. Um, and it feels like uh, I, I have had clients and I do have some clients still that, <clears throat> trained specifically for the sake of like their mental well-being uh, but for me personally for me like exercise is like an anchor to me it's the one constant where with everything that goes on in life like we have like a locus of control things we can control things we can't i can't control half the shit that goes on in my life but when i'm in the gym and i'm under a barbell like that's that's me that's in control as long as I'm not fucking about, I'm going to RP10 and getting stapled, you know, like it's, it's the one thing I can control. Yeah. And obviously it leads on to other benefits, you know, in regards to like if I'm just going out for like a walk or if I'm going for a jog or whatever, yeah, it's nice to go and get fresh air. But just exercise in general is the one thing that I can control. And it feels good to know that that's within, yeah, my locus. I think that's a really good way of putting it, to be honest. Yeah, it's something you can control, isn't it? It's kind of like, it's you, people sometimes refer to the gym as it's their happy place it's somewhere that mm. they they're familiar with the community as you mentioned earlier danny it's a community you normally recognize obviously depending on the gym or activity where you are you know the people there something i don't want to quickly jump in with as well because it's something that danny said earlier as well and it's still like your social group as well and i do find that with exercise a big part of it is like it is a social group like in your world build crossfit yeah. i mean one thing i miss about you know the the army in general is that sense of community you know, and funny enough, even though I fucking hated it at the time, I really missed the fizz aspect, you know, doing it with the blokes. All going for um, the same shit. <laughs> just going yeah. for the same shit and getting absolutely mm. hammered. But you was, you had that 
social support. <laughs> I don't know if I call it support, but you know, like you'd all be, <laughs> you know, fucking about and, you know, egging each other on, etc. And, you know, I do find that in a gym, just like patting each other on the back, just like congratulate each other on PRs, etc. I think this goes for all sports as well, though, really, like any sort of yeah. sporting aspect. You've got a team, like, for example, you go jujitsu, don't you, Danny? Is that something you've been doing? I've, I've seen. I've been trying not to mention it because uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I think you guys are. Uh... <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. I, mean, I, like, I know. Hey, I would say, hey, yeah, that's the same thing, isn't it? You've got that community of you of people, like-minded individuals, getting together on a regular basis, doing some exercise. Do you know what I'd say? Like for me, having started doing that, I would say, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm also quite lucky. So the the gym I train at um, is called Trident Martial Arts, and it's it, on the Wirral where I live, and there's a lot of veterans that go like, you know, so we've not only got the sort of like the camaraderie aspect of the actual sport itself, but there's also quite a heavy influence there already. Um, yeah. But like you say, it's like, for example, you know, I'm very new to it. Um, so like skill level, like, you know, yeah, low skill <laughs> level. But what you'll find is, is, like depending on what you're doing, you you know, especially more senior people, they'll they'll kind of go, oh, do you know what? You shouldn't have done that there, and give you a little like a mini coat, you know, nothing like hectic, but just try this instead. They're trying um, to make you better. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and some people might have that perception of like, oh, I don't know if I want to go and do that and get. I mean, because to be fair, if you were to look at pictures at times, like when you're getting strangled or what, it looks. It looks bad, but it, it isn't like that. It, it is completely, you know. You feel safe with the people you're with. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, it's it's not about, there is, <laughs> there might be times where there's physical pain involved, but it isn't about trying to actually hurt, like, hurt your training partner to the point of being injured. You know, it's, the, it's about trying to, like, you know, it's a sport at the end of the day. It's not like trying to, it's not an actual fight. It's trying to, um, like, it's like a game of chess. It, in essence, only it's just a little bit different the way you, you're playing the game, if that makes sense. I think if I kind of move on to, so I was having a conversation today, actually, it was quite interesting. I think this will kind of lead us on to maybe limitations with the paper and we can kind of get right into that because there's going to be quite a lot to talk about why potentially the paper, while it's good and we love research, there's going to be some things we need to probably explore why it might not be applicable overall but I was having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, today and she was well we were talking I, I won't get too heavy but basically we were saying about how the gym could be a really happy place and you know I'll be the first to admit since I left the forces lots of changes happened you have bad days don't you I think we all have bad days but whenever I'm at the gym I'm always very happy I'm always you know always in a good always in a good mood always speaking to people having a good time and then you know I'll go back and then sometimes I'll be I'll go from an absolute high of being at the gym and then I'll come home and be like god what is going on? But she was kind of saying, look, it's not you putting it on. Like you're not putting anything on. It's just, that's where you just tend to be happy. And what that got me thinking about was this paper goes on to serve. I'll just quickly read out what they said again. It was, it's 1.5 times more effective than counseling and leading medications. And I can see people taking that as throw away the medication, throw away the counseling. But what I thought of is this goes back to another term they use with symptoms, okay? So me going to the gym or anyone, for example, and them feeling better and happy, that's alleviating the symptom 
of what you know whatever that is depression anxiety distress however is that dealing with the root cause that potentially having therapy could do because if you're not aware of why you're feeling like that which you might you might get awareness by going to a therapy session but if you're just covering the symptom every time of exercise are you actually dealing with the root cause and that's what that got me thinking about and i feel like Hmm. exercise for me personally is a great way of alleviating any symptoms of you know sadness whatever you want to call it but is that dealing with the root cause potentially not. I don't know what your thoughts on that, Danny. That's just kind of what got me thinking today after that, that conversation I had. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing I want to make very clear to, and, and I've been thinking about this before I talk about any of these limitations, is mm. I think the message of this paper is in the right direction. I mm-hmm. think, for example, the headline of it, that could have been better. And actually, I think one of the things that I'll come on to, because I've got some notes, as I mentioned, off air, I think one of the things that they mentioned would have been a better way of... In fact, I'll just go on to it now. Yeah, so one of... Um, and, and, you know, again, it would be rewording this, but it says all physical activity modules were beneficial, include an aerobic resistance, mixed mode exercise and yoga... And it's likely that the beneficial effects um, of the physical activity on depression and anxiety were due to a combination of, or sorry, a combination of various psychological, neurophysiological, and social mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So I think by just saying, you know, in a nutshell, exercise is more effective than medication and therapy, it closes off. And as you say, when I when you sent it to me, Bill, and it was it was like, oh, um, I, I could see in my head, you know, the the canva getting, you know, yeah, like what, like right, got <laughs> got the big marketing type thing. So my message would be before we talk about limitations, would definitely be I agree with the sentiment of what has been mm-hmm. said, but I think this is more, guys, don't oversimplify this to just say exercise is better than medication and therapy it doesn't need to be like a versus no it's not it's not a binary choice is it um Hmm. you know i mean like i don't know if you want to do you want to start looking at limitations just yet or do you want to you can do that i mean i was gonna i was literally about to say a couple just because a couple just came straight to my mind was the you mentioned how it's not binary and it's nothing but if we looked at this review as a whole they took there were reviews they didn't include any reviews that included any other intervention and as you said, mm-hmm. it's not barney. So if you include things on top of exercise, like diet, for example, they took that out of the review, so they weren't even looked at. So well, they looked at it in a very binary way, as you just said, where it's not binary, but they've looked at it in a binary way of they only looked at it if it was only exercise on there, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's a limitation. And then the other one that's obvious is there's no one under 18 included. So it's only mm-hmm. adults, essentially. And we know that mental well-being doesn't just affect people over 18. No, I mean, you know, like a lot of the tech, you know, the last stats I saw um, related to training was around 75% of mental um, illness starts before the age of 18. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know, uh, and when it starts, it doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be diagnosed. It just means maybe the, the quirk that you develop, maybe the coping mechanism that hasn't mm. been developed may lead to that and um, which is obviously quite a challenging you know like complex thing i think that a lot of as i say a lot of what i'm gonna say is more aligned towards 
don't use this as that. It's it, it's not it's not necessarily going to go against because, as I say, I think that it the message of it is factually correct. But the limitation there there are a lot of limitations in regards to how people how people are going to use it is probably the problem, not necessarily yeah. the actual review and whatnot itself. If that makes any sense yeah of course so, so most of like any research that we look at is how you apply it um it's how you apply it objectively without being cherry without cherry picking because this is a prime example of how an individual could cherry pick the headline um yeah. and they would apply it as okay this means that exercise is the best solution to all of your mental well-being needs 1.5 um, times more 1.5 times yeah big graphic and it's very it's very easy to do. I mean, we can do. We've literally just done it. We've just cherry picked it. So I feel like, yeah, the the limitations of it is. I think the big one is how you apply it. And I think that's why this podcast is really important, especially to health professionals. Is it's useful. Yeah. We're not we're not saying it's a a paper that's not helpful, but it's not binary. Do you know what? As well, gents, one of my biggest concerns with all of this is. So we've already kind of established that there might be some people that might misread it or purposely take advantage of yeah that 1.5 or try and basically claim this to be like a mutually exclusive thing it's either exercise versus therapy or whatever else Um, but my biggest concern is like everything that's happened in the past couple of years there's already a massive dish a growing mistrust in healthcare professionals as it is and it's like i think it's kind of throws fuel into the fire almost it's like i'm medication yeah, yeah exactly and medication as yeah. well mm. um so it kind of paints this picture of there yeah, like it's exercise versus therapy and but i don't think this be mutually exclusive at all uh, particularly in like in a setting where let's take a medication on board where someone actually needs that you know rapid intervention where actually we need to get this person on some form of medication and then start looking at other interventions such as exercise i mean someone who bear in mind with this unbetter review i do believe they looked at people that were like up to mildly depressed it wasn't like people with severe depression. It was that's up to like mild depression. That's a huge limitation, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So I should have pointed that out at the beginning, actually. Um, yeah. So that's another limitation. But even someone with mild depression or light depression, if someone is physically inactive, Christ, have you ever tried to get someone with depression to try and begin activity in the first place? It's extremely fucking hard. And kind of like as uh, you said earlier, Bill, like with therapy where it actually discusses the psychological, like the actual the source of the issue, you know, where that might be necessary before you then start looking at other interventions such as, yeah, increasing activity. But yeah, I mean, um, one big gripe I have is like, there's always like a massive distrust in healthcare professions, you know, medication as well. It's all, you know, apparently it's all about money now, you know, these doctors, these therapists, they just want, they just want your money, you know, choose have exercise instead. Have, have you noticed this, Danny, in your... In so when I, when I talk like, there is a, it's, I think there's a balance because actually I think you would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say you would be shocked, but there is a lot of people out there that have taken things like SSRI. So an SSRI is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Now I won't begin to pretend that I'm any expert on medications, but basically that is what most antidepressants and actually people who have anxiety often get and um, prescribed to there's a lot of people out there that have you know have either been on them at some point or are on them now but it's surprising how many people i talk to that have an issue with them even though they've used them themselves yeah um i think 
the big thing, and you know, Bill's already alluded to it. Uh, sorry, Thomas. It, it's the, it's not just the distrust. It's the fact that people this paper stigmatizes medication. That like mm-hmm. for me, if I was going to be binary about it, it's maybe not. In fact, it's a lie. The, not the paper, the headline, the pa- the paper itself. You know, I wouldn't. From what I read it, through of it, it didn't massively say this is bad, but the headline really, I would say, does. And I don't think we need. I don't think as a society we need any help with with that stigma that's already there. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say help. It, there's already a massive stigma about it to the point where, you know, I. I'll have conversations with people where they'll say to me, look, Dan, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit um, down, a bit low, you know, I'm empty, whatever you want to call it, with various circumstances. And one of the first things they'll often say is, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want pills. And I'll kind of be like, okay, well, what about if, if the doctor says, oh yeah, here's some pills, you don't actually have to say, okay, I will go and get that prescription you know, and it, and again, this isn't me saying that if a doctor's prescribed you something, you should go against what they believe is the the. But what I'm getting at is, is the more barriers we create, there'll be more people that lose their life because they won't go and do that when they need it. Because you know, and again, this is part of the limitations for me is at what point does a person often identify that they are you know, feeling the signs of depression, feeling the signs of an anxiety disorder. When do they actually know? Because for a lot of people, they don't actually know what the signs and symptoms are. We, we could be already way down this road of the of the disorder, whichever disorder it might be. And then it's like, do you know what? I actually think, I, you know, a, a lack of insight is a massive thing when it comes to this topic where we're already there. And then it's like, okay, might. I might go and see a doctor now, but they're already like so, I wouldn't say so far down the road because, you know, that's, that sounds like you can't come back. It, it does, it's not that at all, but their journey is already further on in the stage of how severe their symptoms are, where, you know, they're, they're already there as opposed, like in an ideal world, a person might go like for depression, for example, the free core symptoms to, that you could get diagnosed with clinical depression are um, persistent sadness and or low mood, lack of energy and tiredness, and loss of interest in previously enjoyed activities. There's there's more signs, more symptoms, but they are the three core elements. So I bet you that there's a lot of people that wouldn't even notice that until it's been going on for a while. Hence the severity is worse, hence the the GPs, clinicians, you know, might be unable to say, oh yeah, just just start doing fizz. That's what I was going to say because you're saying that they might not even know how far down they are. And as Tom alluded to, this paper looks at mild depression, up to mild depression, okay? so But then these researchers are saying that exercise should be the mainstay approach in management. So what they're basically suggesting is, is that if someone goes to see a doctor, the first thing should be like, have you tried going to the gym? Have you tried going for a run? Have you tried doing exercise? But if they're already yeah. so far down the line, this paper never even looked at those individuals. They never even looked at those who had, you could class more severe depression. So if you're telling them to go for a run and they're at the their breaking point, you could run into a yeah. few problems there because the paper, the but, data's but like, not even supporting that. So think it's kind about, of like, oof. Like, think about the position that puts GPs in as well. Like, so if you're a GP, hypothetically speaking, 
And because, you know, you see all of this glib dross, in my opinion, where it's like, if, you're, if your doctor hasn't prescribed to you sunlight, water, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, exercise, blah, 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 before they offer you drugs, then you've got a drug dealer and not, and it's like, oh, bro, you know, yeah. you like, you know, if, and, and this is where people don't understand the starkness of this. If, if you were a GP, and again, I, I'm not a GP, so I, I won't say I can't comment, but I'm just going to try and get people to think of how they might have to think. If you're a GP and someone walks into your surgery and says, right, I am in a bad way and I'm having suicidal thoughts. You know, I I don't want to be here anymore. And if you were to say, like, and again, I, I don't mean to trivialize this and I don't, you know, you might laugh at what I'm going to say, but it's not about making light of the topic. You know, if, if you were to go, oh, no worries, bro. You, you need to start doing CrossFit, for instance, or BJJ. And then they, you know, imagine they went and then did take their own life. Well, that that's not going to look very good on the inquest for you as an individual. Mm-hmm. So, albeit, yeah, these things can be effective. We need to, obviously, you know, a, a GP needs to think of their own. Yeah, and I know they might, you might say, that's wrong. Yeah, it might be, but what's more wrong is mm. the fact that we don't seek that sort of professional intervention yeah. until that. That's more wrong than a doctor going, "Yeah, I think that you, you should take, you know, an antidepressant medication, for instance." Particularly in a sense where, as I said earlier, they do need like a a pretty rapid intervention. They're not always that rapid, though. To be fair, you know, and again, I'm not trying to make this too. Over- they're not that rapid, but. Again, it's it's the you might be able to notice a quicker difference. Yeah. It might, but you know, again, it might make it worse. And that that's you know, again, a, f- a factual thing to you know say because again, medication isn't a silver bullet, if you will. But you might notice a quicker change with, like, as you said, for a argument's sake, if a person is moderately to more severely depressed they might not have the energy to actually do this get out of bed <laughs> yeah so you know that could have that could take a you know and and in my experience talking to people who've used this type of medication i haven't personally myself but talking to people who have used it a lot of people say it takes a job that is the the kind of and then that could then lead to other interventions such as getting people moving and exercising. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what has happened to uh, past clients of mine, where originally where they did have such crippling depression, and this is actually bold on the severe side of things, where they had such crippling depression they just couldn't get out of bed mm-hmm. in the morning. But when they was medicated, it allowed their symptoms to basically, you know, come to a baseline where it was okay. Well, now they are able to get out of bed and now they can start moving and now they have that kind of therapy as well. But I mean, um, yeah, it's, I, I do believe that medication in this sense gets a severely bad stigma. Do you remember last, I think it was last week or the week before, we, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's obviously different, but semaglutide, the skinny jab we've been speaking about, we no, use that as a yeah, baseline. Similar. We were saying how if you're morbidly obese, and people would say, oh, just exercise. It's like, well, if they're in a position where they are morbidly obese, sometimes these jabs, like semaglutide, which is a me- medication, 
will allow them to bring their weight yeah. down to a baseline where they can then have other interventions to then help manage their weight instead of just telling them to just you know eat less um, move more just to clarify this is kind of uh, probably words it wrong but this is what i meant by like a rapid intervention where they can be given some form of medication where it can actually stabilize them yeah. to the point where they can start looking at other forms of treatment mm -hmm. such as yeah. exercise in this case yeah yeah i'd say i just wanted to make it clear that it's not like you take a pill the next day you feel good you know no 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 yeah you can't, again, I've known people where they've started taking an antidepressant medication and whether it's the placebo part, within a few days, they are like, do you know what? I do feel better than I did the other day. So, yeah. you know, again, it can. It's just important. And, and this brings us on to something that I think, like, is important. Like, for example, limitations are, let's try and look at it like this. If I go and do something purely to try and get a outcome from it, am I not just putting more pressure on that thing? So, for example, I'll use me in this scenario. When when I felt like severely depressed in the past, I would be like, I am going to go to the gym because it will make me feel better. And then the entire time when I was training, all I was thinking is, been training for like 15 minutes now i should be should be feeling a bit better why, why is it why am i not feeling better and it's you know obviously the cognitive side is me thinking okay well this i'm thinking about the thing and then mm. as a result that thing is getting bigger whereas if i was engaging in the activity i was getting into a flow state and i was just kind of active then that's where my positive effect comes in but if i do something purely to try and have that effect. Like if I um, consciously do that, I personally think that that... You're throwing that, all your chips into that one outcome. Well, it becomes in effect. And this is, again, probably an important factor when we talk about people using this for marketing. Because yes. if you've got people who are like, oh, exercise is 1.5 times more effective than going to therapy. I'm You're promising a result. Yeah. Mm. So then they're coming in going, okay, well, you know, th this is what I'm going to do and this is going to make me feel better. Where's so, my fucking 1.5? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, like I find this quite hard because there's so much complexity. Like when I looked at, you know, like what types of activities was involved in this, there's there's a, a very wide range, isn't there? I think yeah, there is. We'll, mm -hmm. We'd agree. And again, the, the kind of thing that was difficult was, um, in fact, I've, I, I took a little note to this one down. Uh, it said, reviews were eligible irrespective of physical activity, modality, supervision, i.e., or sorry, uh, delivery, e.g., in-person or online, or dose, frequency, intensity, and duration. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, because obviously it would take God knows how long to actually go through all of these... <laughs> Yeah, individual. Individual. <laughs> it would like Better cancel you know, your holidays yeah yeah it'd be well beyond the scope of of like a podcast but the the thing is with it is it's not you know again it doesn't say for example supervised physical activity or because let's face it there's a big difference between right you are engaged in a class type activity so again you know, if we talk about like a group physical activity or even personal training, 
where you have that touch, that personal touch, as opposed to if we were to say, you know, if we were to be able to objectively say, in my opinion, like, oh yeah, XBI is one one point five times more effective than um, you know, therapy and, and medication. That could that should be any exercise. So it should yeah. be like, okay, I'm gonna put you on a treadmill for one hour, three times a week in a white room with no one else in there, and you're just gonna go on this treadmill. And objectively, you should have a better outcome than using mm. which I, you know, will say, right, you're gonna do one hour of burpees. <laughs> That uh, Dave's personal That's not helping training, anybody. <laughs> you know, Dave's personal training business. No offense to any Dave's out there, but yeah. you know, because but the, again, no, that's part of the thing is if you are going to make this claim, and your training is like doing burpees all the time for somebody. Actually, you know, again, it, it, there's a grey area there, isn't there? Um, yeah, and that for me is one of the, you know, again. There's, there's more limitations that will come out from this, but that was one that came out to me is like, well, because it's such a broad spectrum of different things. And it's so many different contexts, isn't there? There's so many different contexts within that. You know, like, again, and that was one of, one of the first things before I actually read that line was, well, are these group-based activities or individual? You know, is that, because we got to think, like for me, the, the socioeconomics of physical activity is a big one. Mm. So first, you know, like a few questions off the top of my head I'd be asking is, why were they not doing it in the first place? Okay. And what, if if it was with personal trainers, for instance, can a pet, can, is that an, an equal outcome that everyone can achieve? I don't, yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought cheap, so. It's not free, is it? It's not free, a free option, is it? Yeah. Or even, you know, being able to be supervised to that level. Again, like, even if it's just someone checking in, have you done your session? You know, again, that, like, the online coaching kind of thing is probably not something everyone can afford. Hmm. You know, so again, that whole, oh, just get on with it, just work harder, just, you know, go and do the, to me, that falls a bit flat. So, like, I don't know about what you guys think. I mean, funny enough, when it comes to like, the general population, I think um, most would be, support. well, most fitness-based people in general, anyone that exercises, would actually be surprised that when it comes to the general public, many don't even know where to begin when we say physical activity. No. You tell you say to some resistance training, they might even know what the fuck that means. Yeah. You know? You say, oh, 150 to 300 minutes of aerobic activity a week. Now, to me, something pops up straight in my head. But to someone else, they might not have a – they might not even think that walking – is exercise is enough, yeah. Mm. And I've had those discussions with people. We spoke about last week, didn't we? We spoke about the adherence, yeah, exactly. the guidelines, and yeah. like some people simply don't know where to start. I think you know, again, and this is where like this is taking us into a, a fitness industry kind of conversation. I can, yeah. I can sort of see. You know, I think a lot of people just don't understand, and you know, people will be like, oh, I don't like that word, whatever. But people don't understand their privilege. So, no, like, hundred percent You know. Military is a great example. They, you know, people who have served in the military have had three to five sessions a week for free. Of, During the working hours. Yeah. yeah, of physical training that they are paid to do, as you say. You know, so even at the other end, when they've left, 
they've probably got half decent baseline knowledge and understanding mm. and level of fitness mm. from from that. And people don't understand. It's like, oh, well, why don't they just do these things? Well, they don't, they haven't got the same, for, you know. Why don't you just do your 10,000 steps a day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, again, it, it, it does come, it comes back to that same thing, doesn't it? In my opinion, it's a lot of over oversimplification. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, people don't understand the privilege of being, having time. You know, like you think, if someone's a single parent of whatever gender that has two or three kids, then actually that's that's a mass, massive barrier straight away mm. um, to, to actually accessing this. And that's not even, do, you know, that's time, cost, whatever. There's multiple barriers just from their living situation. And I'm sorry, saying... Like oh, out, going outside is free. Okay, yeah. you train outside. If it, yeah, if it's sure. free, then you do it. If that's something that's enjoyable. Then you do it. But they mm. don't prescribe something that you don't do all the time as something that's a solution because that doesn't make sense, in my opinion. I think so many people see like just that term in general, privilege, as such a dirty word, and it's it's not. It's up to you whether you decide to take offence to it. I mean. At the end of the day, privilege is a very subjective thing. And one way or another, we all have our own privileges. I have the privilege of having legs. Some people don't. You know, I have the privilege that I can go and squat with a barbell. I'm not going to go and be offended because I've got legs. Another one of the limitations that I've written down is, you know, and again, this is a word that's coming up more frequently now. Um, but like talking about like ableism, you know, and again, mm, I don't yeah. want, I'm, I'm going to kind of like sort of, and rationalize this because I don't want people to be like, Jesus, this guy's just super woke. It's nothing to do with that. But like yes. for argument's sake, like my dad, um, he's in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair for like 10 years after having a stroke. So for instance, he is not able to access physical activity like other people. So for him to want, you know, to get the motivation to then want to do that is obviously a barrier. But we, you know, again, with that study, we haven't kind of factored in that it's for people of able body that, you know, again, that that's another thing um, that is a factor that people just don't think about. It's like, oh, we'll just go and do it. Realising that there's going to be barriers. Oh, yeah, massively. And, mm. you know, again, it's, I think for me, the, the sweeping statement is the bigger issue. And the fact that they've said 1.5 times is is also an issue. Mainstay approach as well. That should yeah. be like yeah. the first port of call. Like, the thing is, go back to what you said, Danny. Like if a doctor, if you go to a doctor, for example, and they are told the mainstay approach is prescribe exercise, they're not personal trainers. So if a doctor just says to you, go do more exercise, where do you go from there? Where yeah. does this person then go to? If, they, yeah. if they're not in a position to then sign up to a gym or they, you know, they can't get childcare, they're going to be sitting there stressing, probably feeling worse because they can't actually do what the doctor's told them because they're not in a position to do so. So you've actually probably made things worse. Um, so, I mean, what, what do they do? The only solution to that really is if they have like a, a huge team of expertly trained personal trainers who know, know how to deal with it and it's paid for by the state. That's the only... Actually, what... There are, for example, I, I can only speak for my local area, but I've trained a fair number of people in mental health first aid in my area who are health coaches. And essentially their job is, it's not necessarily to be a personal trainer, although a lot of them are qualified personal trainers, 
but it's to to actually have a dialogue about lifestyle and yeah, you know okay. like for example it, it's to be able to try and help support people to maybe access the fact that doing more steps per day than what they are currently doing might yeah. be beneficial to them um so i think that could be an approach that is there but the big thing like everything is do people know about it you know if you don't know yeah. about it you can't access it um so and it, for example if a person isn't accessing the clinical support already then they can't access that so it's a difficult one the, like massively difficult like what the biggest glaring thing that came up to me as well is as the limiting and it was the first thing i thought of first thing i wrote down in my notes is what if someone already does exercise mm. <laughs> yeah. so if we're saying exercise is more effective than therapy and medication what about the people who are already doing it is that almost not doom and gloom though? Because then you feel like, well, if this is supposed to be the best option, the gold standard, and I still feel like absolute shit, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope? If I'm already at the top of the pyramid with exercise according to this study, is, does that mean all hope is lost? I can't, that's, that's, if we look at the binary approach that the paper's kind of suggesting in a way, especially with the headline, then it's like, well, what do I do now? So I completely get what you're saying. It's actually quite... So the, the exercise could be out. managing the symptoms, but once again, it's not actually targeting the root cause. I think anything to do with, and this would probably be a key message for me from our chat tonight is, it's a multimodal approach. Every little yeah. thing can have an impact. You know, so like, for example, if you can appreciate something on a deeper level than what you did before, that can be beneficial. Like... One of the things I talk about all the time, and this is where I really go into that, I feel a bit what my younger self would probably say, hippy-dippy, if you will. But, like, one of the things I'd really appreciate will be um, sunrise and sunset. So, like, say if I look outside, like, you got, you know, we, we're connected on um, on Instagram, for instance. Something that I do a lot of is... If I see a nice sunrise or sunset, I'll take a picture of it. I usually put Paradise Peninsula because that's like the nickname of where I live, Wirral. But it's because I look at it and I'm like, wow, that is awesome. Now, that that small thing, small little tiny thing, again, that helps me, whether, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that helps me to be more mindful. I'm more mindful. So my well of um resources for feeling good that that makes my well deeper you know so if that was like i don't know when you go and have a coffee with your friends or whatever you want to do if you can go do you know what this is awesome that in itself and i'm not going to sit here and just preach the gratitude platitude because that that in itself is a form of toxic positivity hmm. but Having these skills to be mindful is is something. And again, what I'm getting at is, is this is totally away from the three things we talked about: therapy, exercise, and medication. Mm. You know, but these are just little things that help build your your tree, if you will, of well being. There's more branches to it. It's a subjective experience, isn't it, for everybody? Everyone's gonna have their own. It is relevant because what you just said there is the feeling I get when once again I'm under a barbell. 
Mm. So you taking a picture of a sunset or a sunrise, I might get that same feeling when I load up plates onto a barbell and I do some heavy squats. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm here, I'm back in the room. Mm. So actually, it makes complete sense to me. Obviously, I've got other less gym-related things like, you know, I fucking love seeing squirrels in my garden, you know. <laughs> but there's things that do bring you back to reality. And it's, I've got kids, so, you know, just being with my children brings me back to reality. Again, all of these things are like little little nuances that will help over up. You know, it, I think that this reductionist thinking of exercise is the best. Yeah, I think exercise is really good. And I think can't just be like, it's the best and it's more effective than these things. It's it's an ecosystem. Yeah. Subjective ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, what about someone who's injured? Yeah. So, like, for argument's sake, you say, you know, you're under the barbell, as you say there, Tom, yeah. and you blow your knee out for whatever reason, you know, don't attempt fate or anything. So, yeah. to, fingers crossed that wouldn't happen. But what now? Yeah. So, th- <laughs> that that thing that was once, you know, your power thing, that that source is now a source of of sort of anger, yeah. depression, you know, whatever you want to call it, loads of different emotions. My crutch is now gone from out under me. Yeah, not even a crutch, is it? It's just your support thing isn't, you're not able to do it anymore. Like yeah. in a more, you know, tangent, I think I'm going on a Tom tangent now, but like if, if you have watched Best kind of tangent. any Marvel movies, like Doctor yeah. Strange, when he smashes his hands up and he mm. can't do surgery anymore, that's a big thing for him. He's like, oh my God, I can't I can't do surgery anymore. It becomes a fucking wizard. But... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Black magic, sick shit. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're going to be able to go and do that just yeah. by, But that's kind of an example where somebody that's once, you know, like a source of passion and can mm. can also have that debilitating and, 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 and yeah, yeah. sort of, I would say damaging, but challenging impact for you. I think it kind of circles quite nicely round to research in general. I mean, people who have listened to us for a long time will know it's papers. It's never, never take them as like what they suggest as app. We always use the word suggests or may. Yeah. We never say will. We never use, you know, a complete, you know, one dimensional approach. To it. It's always going to be may or this. So I think when we look at things like these papers, the important thing about it is how you apply the information that the paper's suggesting not taking it as what it is. And unfortunately, we know is that there's a lot of people in the health industry, especially on social media, who who love to take any sort of research or anything that's online and they just take the headline and they just run with it without using it. As, for example, if I was to look at this paper, I would link it back to what we've been talking about in the past few weeks of activity guidelines and adherence being quite low to physical activity. And when I look, this is an- another reason why we, you know you could potentially want to exercise because the adherence is very low anyway. It's another thing, reason for, you could look at it from the angle of maybe prevention is better than cure. It could be a good thing to keep you at a baseline. Not saying it will, not saying you're immune to ever suffering from any you know mental ill health. If we tag it onto the activity stuff, the guidelines of more physical benefits you get from it, there's potentially some mental benefits, but don't think of it as a solution. Think of it as something, as a as a positive, you could say, to exercising. Did you also see, I mean, I'm sure you will have, but I'm going to go back to my little quote board. 
Uh, our findings that longer duration interventions were less effective than shorter yeah. interventions may seem counterintuitive. It is possible this, this finding reflects a decline in, ad in adherence yeah. with longer interventions. So mm -hmm. again, if we think about it like this, for example, you've been supervised for your 12-week study mm -hmm. that then goes Hey, yeah, I feel better. I, I, you know, I, my markers have improved. Then they say, right, we'll check back with you in six months time. They've checked back and because the supervision isn't there or for example, mm -hmm. you know, for some people, I'm sure they may have been paid to be involved in these studies, you know, maybe only in vouchers or whatever it might be, but there's, there's sort of a, a, a carrot and involved with it. So mm. the carrot's no longer there. So they're no longer engaged in the activity again it's another limitation isn't it because if if we don't say if we don't say oh yeah short-term interventions can be positive but actually over the long term it may not have the fullest effect yeah again that that's a big piece of of this puzzle that's missing you're basically saying you could be happy for 12 weeks but after that 12 week period you're gonna have to go back to being you know other, you know, depressed, anxious, whatever, whatever. It's it is. not so. necessarily about going back, is it? But it, the thing is, is like you know, a lot of personal trainers operate on this sort of. Again, from my perception of them, they operate on this sort of transformation thing, yep. don't they? So you know, you think if you've paid probably a you know a good su substantial amount of money to then engage in this thing. By the end of it, you might have, you know, your, your body composition might have improved in the way that you want it to. Um, and as a result, at the end of it, you feel great. But then that transformation challenge is over. And then as a result, you're, mm. you haven't necessarily changed your habits. You haven't, you know, it comes back to what we've talked about a few times, doesn't it, about the root cause. So habits haven't necessarily been fully changed or, or you know, knowledge, behaviors, whatever you want to call it. And then in the end, revert back to type and then you're in the same sort of position again. You know, to me, that's kind of what, like if this study or these these studies were done over a longer period with, with, with a light touch, you know, light supervision or what have you, where it wasn't necessarily related to you being in a goldfish bowl, but it was like, okay, we want we want to monitor. For example, you are in a certain community, like a sports club, or even just you know you go to, for argument's sake, a um, a commercial gym, but you are going to attend spin classes. For instance, you know you'll you'll um, attend two spin classes a week or what have you, where it's a, a lighter touch, but then it's more long term because then yeah the behaviors changed if you will i think that again the the sort of not efficacy but more the um the weight with what's what that claim is would probably have have a bit more substantiality to it this is uh one of the reasons why i hate the whole idea of like transformation coaches in general and even like being a little bit irrelevant here and talking about like in a stick since we got the whole you know the six weeks summer shred, etc., where you're promising someone a experience that's going to be very subjective to, to them, despite what they're promising. Uh, almost like there should be like terms and conditions, you know, the whole, um, what is it, the older, you know, your experience may differ from one of the photo. Yeah. 
But kind of going back to, I mean, this kind of goes in, what I'm about to say is about to kind of go hand in hand with what you said earlier, Danny, about if he was relying on going to the gym just for the sole purpose of, I need to feel mentally better at the end of it. I need to have that 1.5 increase. This is where I think um, it's better to approach exercise with like a process orientated goal rather than like an outcome one. So actually we talk about like behavior change. Like the whole idea is that, yeah, let's get you exercising, let's get you physically active, but you're not doing it for the sake of, I need to feel that one outcome, you know, yeah. better. It's a simple case of, well, actually, the improved mental well-being is going to be a byproduct of that. But I'm just concentrating on just trying to get out more, just trying yeah. to exercise more. Actually, just I want I want to have that process of I want to try different classes, spin classes, you know, CrossFit, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whatever comes after that. It's just a byproduct of it. Happy days. When I mean, it comes to mental well-being, I think that's a better way to kind of approach it. It's been more kind of process-driven. Rather than just like doing it for the sake of Jesus Christ, I really hope I feel better after this. I need to, because if you know you don't feel better afterwards, shit. Yeah, it's going to go downhill, isn't it? It puts a lot of pressure as well on yeah on, mm. on the fitness industry. Like so, and you get the fear of failure. <laughs> yeah, well, I have like I've probably come across as a bit like I wouldn't say pessimistic, but probably a lot of fingers have been wagged towards right. The fitness industry is bad because of it. But if you think if you are say you know early 20s personal trainer and you don't have that life experience and then someone comes to you and they're like oh i've saw this or like you know they, they come to you and say you know maybe it was your marketing but they say oh i've seen that this is really good for your mental health i want to you know i need to improve my mental health can you help me mm. then again that's a lot of pressure and you yeah. know that that's then people who aren't trained and one of the things I would say the fitness industry is the worst for is for outlandish claims that can't be backed up, but also a sort of complex that they can be experts in everything, you know, like... And based on pure anecdote as well. Yeah. I'm a 20-year-old yeah. PT. I live with my parents. I've only got to pay 200 quid in rent a month. I've got no kids. But in my experience, it's very easy to get up, rise and grind and feel motivated. Mm. Exactly. And, and that's kind of like, you know, but as I say, that's a, that's a dangerous position, I think, yeah. because, you know, that if you are that young person, that's that could put a person in a, a lot of, sort of, a lot of pressure that they, yeah. they don't have the skills for, you know, they, they, mm. let's face and it. And shame. I'm, I'm not sorry. And shame. Yeah. You know, oh, I haven't been able to help this person, if you will. Yeah. It's it's the type of thing where if we think about it logically, it's 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 worrying because then we'll have people, you know, we'll have therapists that if this paper was fully sort of absorbed and everyone was like, right, I, I'm going to just go with that now, then you'll have therapists who are trained to talk to people about their mental health and well-being, not being utilized over someone going and giving them burpees for an hour. It, yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's a, yeah, it's it's a worrying thing, I, I would say. But as I say, the important thing is, and I want to reiterate is, I do believe exercise does have positive benefits for our mental well-being, like massive, you know, and, and yeah, as I said before, for me, it's one of the 
the biggest things that I would probably say I utilize. But I suppose, you know, again, we've said it a fair few times. It's just, it's not, we can't treat this in a binary system of this, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's not a pyramid, is it? Or a hierarchy. It's that, you know, they all work differently for different people. That's probably the, the conclusion I'd have from what we've discussed. I mean, that's pretty much mine. I mean, my, my takeaway of this is that, yeah, according to this paper, like exercise is great for managing, you know, depression and other kind of symptoms when it comes to uh, mental well-being. But I I really think it's important that we say it's not a, as you said, it's not a binary choice. It's not an either or. It's like, oh, well, because it's 1.5 times more effective than other methods, then you should probably just be exercising nothing else. It doesn't have to be an either or. It's not mutually exclusive. I think overall, like, um, paper is good at showing the benefits of physical activity, uh, particularly in regards to resistance training as well, actually, because it does say that in regards to depression, like, resistance training seems to be the most effective method of, uh, you know, reducing the, yeah, the effects of it. But, yeah, the key takeaway is that it's not an either-or situation. What, Danny, what would be your kind of biggest take-home messages for anyone listening who may be, who may be thinking... Maybe they maybe they know someone who's in this position, or they know someone or maybe themselves um, are feeling the symptoms. What would be your kind of advice going forward, taking into sort of a consideration of what we spoke about today? I think one of the things is is try and like not pressure things. You know, like like I talked about before. So if 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 I was like right, you know, if we take all three of those things that are mentioned, if I was like right, I'm going to do this therapy and I'm going to go to this therapy session and I'm going to feel better by the end of it. Well, you know, that that then obviously puts an increased, pre- you know, putting all the eggs in that one basket, so to speak, kind of in overpressurizes it. Same with exercise. Same with like, again, it, it probably sounds silly, but let's imagine I have my piece, you know, my medication, whatever it is. I take it and I'm sitting there like looking around, What you know, what, when's it going to take effect? I think the key thing is trying to just talk is... I could, I'd go back to my triangle as well. Physical activity is good. Community, because community-based activities, whether that be you, you, a community-based activity could be you work in, in a centre where people who are lonely might come in. You know, that, that, that could be something that benefits your well-being as well, you know, because you are getting those good feelings from helping others. Um, and then, Obviously, um, your emotional well-being. You're like, I'm. I'm quite fortunate that because I, I, I'm very interested in this stuff. I've read a lot about it, so I've been able to improve my own um, emotional literacy and communication skills. Um, but that can be done through therapy as well, because a therapist will ask you questions. Like you might say, like, "Oh, I'm angry about this," and then they'll you know, break down what, why is it angry? Why are you angry? How is, how can I put this? Why are you angry? Is the reason you're angry something that you've got any control over or is it what someone else has got? You know, there's a, there's a lot of comp- complex nature Self-reflection. To it. Oh yeah, 100%. Which is something that exercise may not inherently have going no, for it. You can't, you can't out-train an unwell brain, in my opinion. That would be the, the, the like, you know, little yeah. draft line you could put on it because otherwise, sim- simply put, nobody who did any fizz would take their own life. You know, it's that, not nobody, but you know what I mean? 
if you were to look at, say, the statistics that thousands of people um, who take their own life each year and then go, right, how many of these people actually engaged in physical activity within a, say, two-year period prior? Because obviously if a person's severely depressed, that might have, have um, reduced. But I imagine there would be a lot of people who may have tried it. That kind of, you should you should do this. You haven't done this. So, you know, again, it puts, it puts everything back on the individual. It's because you're not good enough. Because you didn't put enough effort in. Because you weren't positive enough. That type of thing. When actually it can be a complex mixture of circumstances and whatever yeah. Where's the best place people should turn to, really? I know you mentioned it on the last podcast we spoke about, but I don't know if there's been any changes where you kind of point people to as like sources of information and guidance further further on this. I'd probably, you know, some of that, some of that I always sort of preach is the hub of hope. Yeah, that was um, weakness, that, yeah. It's, you know, the biggest UK database for mental health and well-being support services. And this can be, relevant NHS services, by the way, but it could also be a small little thing on a high street that you, you know, because obviously commercial property is really expensive, you know, it might look like it's in a broom cupboard or something, but it might have a really highly specific kind of um, niche that, that they support that you wouldn't mm. know about unless you went and looked because yeah. it just looks like a random broom cupboard. But yeah. it could be an, you know, a life-saving vital service that could help you. Um, so it's dead simple. www.hubofhope.co.uk um, or if you just typed in Hub of Hope on Google, it would bring it up. And then you can bring it onto a taskbar and you can literally just type in your address and then there'll be a big list of everything that's in the area. I've, I've worked with clients where they've had people on the Shetland Islands, and it's had services on the Shetland Islands, so it's very comprehensive. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Uh, been a pleasure having you on, Danny, as always. Uh, Thanks, guys. Lovely to chat with you. thought we'd, we'd best to bring in, the, uh, bring in the artillery, the big guns, for um, what is a mammoth mammoth topic. Um, if you want to sort of you know see more of what Danny's all about, see the stuff he's working on, some really awesome stuff, I'll leave links down in the show notes. Um, as always, you can go check out In the Dead Ground and all the other things that uh, Danny's doing. And of course, links to everything we spoke about today. Um, but if anyone's anyone got anything else they want to close out on before we wrap it up? Just some quick ones that I did take a note from the paper. These were just like some little, uh, like Danny, I've kind of noted some of like the extra tidbits, particularly in regards to like key takeaways in regards to if you do want to be physically active, um, which despite the past hour, what it might sound like is what we, we are actually recommending. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> yeah, just some key tidbits for me was the greatest benefits we're seeing in people with depression, pregnant and postpartum women apparently healthy individuals and individuals diagnosed with hiv or kidney disease all physical activity modes were effective and higher intensity exercises was associated with greater improvements for depression and anxiety a lot of this might sound like i'm repeating what we've spoken about already but um it's just as a key takeaway for the end here different modes of physical activity stimulate different physiological and psychosocial effects and this was supported by our findings in example Resistance exercise, so weight training, had the largest effects on depression, whilst yoga and other mind-body exercises were most effective for reducing anxiety. Furthermore, our findings showed that moderate intensity and high-intensity physical activity modes were more effective than lower intensities. Good, so train heavy. 
Therefore, low-intensity physical activity may be insufficient for stimulating the neurological and the hormonal changes that are associated with larger improvements in depression and anxiety. Overall, our findings add further support to public health guidelines, which recommend multimodal, moderate and vigorous intensity physical activity which kind of goes hand in hand what our episode was about last week bill yeah last week we was talking about Mm -hmm. so we was talking about the actual like health improvements that can happen with people who do uh, for physical guidelines which is currently was it 150 to 300 minutes of moderate moderate, activity per week yeah we broke it down didn't we it's not 75 of vigorous activity and then yeah two strength training sessions per week that work all major muscle groups Furthermore, it was somewhat surprising that smaller weekly duration interventions demonstrated larger effects than highly higher weekly durations, is what Danny said earlier. This is the opposite to the dose-benefit relation observed for exercise and physical health outcomes. It is possible that shorter duration interventions are easier for participants to comply with, whereas longer weekly duration interventions are more burdensome and that may be impacting the psychological benefits. It is a useful message that interventions do not need to provide higher doses of physical activity for improvements in depression. So basically, we have got the physical guidelines that you can look at from the World Health Organization, or just simply doing something is better than nothing. Yeah. You haven't got to be absolutely, absolutely. beating yourself with 10,000 steps a day, or these, you know, you know, oh, we have to do the three hour gym session a day. You know, yeah. if you leave before me, if you leave during my warm up, you're a pussy. You know, it's, you know, just starting somewhere was a good start. I'd um, yeah. highly recommend people, if they've not listened already, to go listen back to last week's podcast. We talk about those activity guidelines because we actually broke them down and gave you some really good sources on how to get started. And we kind of highlighted how easy it is to meet those guidelines. So if you can take something away from that episode, meet, you know, apply the information we talk about to get you started on some activity, it will link quite nicely to this week's topic and it will all combine. And that's the important thing, takeaway really, is that these are all little things we can all do to make a big difference. There's not one 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 solution. It's not a binary, as we've said. It's not like a binary exercise is the best thing. It's a nice little thing we can add in, which can have you know, an impact and something is better than nothing. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. It's a very subjective mental well-being in general is very subjective experience. This paper highlights that exercise can be beneficial. Obviously for the three of us, we find it beneficial. However, it's a subjective experience. So don't put that pressure on you and thinking it is going to make a difference. It's going to be the, the saving grace. It might not be for you. Um, but it's uh, it's worth uh, exploring. So yeah, thanks again, Danny. Um, it's been a pleasure as always, and we will see you all again very soon. Goodbye. See you Thank soon. Karen.